2: On your radio, on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show.
3: Good morning and welcome to The Bill Press Show. I'm Sabrina Siddiqui, political reporter at The Guardian, filling in for Bill on this Thursday morning, the end of a tragic week here in the United States. We will be following the latest from Las Vegas The fallout from the mass shooting, what we know uh, and have learned over the last 24 hours about the gunman uh, whose girlfriend has broken her silence. Uh, President Trump, of course, was on the ground yesterday and tweeting bright and early this morning. So wonderful to be in Las Vegas yesterday and meet with people from police to doctors to the victims themselves who I will never forget. He then, less than uh, all 15 minutes later, switched gears and asked, why isn't the Senate Intel Committee looking into the fake news networks in our country to see why so much of our news is just made up? In all caps, fake. Jamie Benson, our reliable producer, I'm sure is used to many a Trump tweet that too, first thing in the morning. We try
4: not to read too many of them on air. But when he tweets at the beginning of our show, he sort of sets the table for us and we have to address these. You know, Sabrina, I will say yesterday, the first tweet that we read that you read about his trip to Las Vegas, I will give him this. Yesterday he was pretty good as far as staying on script, uh keeping to prepared remarks, uh being clear about um we're not gonna be intimidated. By an act of violence, an act of evil like this.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, But, you know, it's one day. It's one day out of the Trump administration. The day before, he went to Puerto Rico and told them that they threw our budget out of whack.
3: Right. Even though they had
4: just gone through a natural disaster. He
3: tossed paper towels to people in Puerto Rico who have been struggling without water, without food, without medicine. He
4: played Papa shot with toilet paper.
3: Right. Uh, which is an image that will, in the archive of images we've already been given in the under this uh, fairly young presidency, I think, uh, stand the test of time. Uh quick update since we're talking about Las Vegas. The girlfriend of Las Vegas gunman Stephen Paddock has spoken out. Her name, of course, is Mary Lou Danley. And she was out of the country at the time of the shooting, initially with some confusion over uh, whether or not she has played a role in any way, um, was she aware of what her partner was about to do, about the horror that he, or terror I should say, that he was about to inflict on concert goers. Uh, of course, we know that there are at least, there are 58 people who were shot dead. There are many more still in the hospital in critical condition. You'll re- re- have to remember that more than 500 people were injured and uh, after the gunman opened fire. So Mary Lou Danley has said uh, through a lawyer that she... Um, Never heard anything uh, that would have suggested he was about to inflict uh, any sort of violence in a statement. She said, I loved him and hoped for a quiet future together.
4: She called him a kind, caring, quiet man.
3: She called him a kind, caring, quiet man, as uh, Jamie has just said. And she also, I think in some ways, of course, this is all through her lawyer, Uh, reinforced the notion uh, that Stephen Paddock, the gunman, may have been living a secret life. That is what police had suggested hours before she issued her statement. Um, Just to kind of bring people up to speed uh, on what the latest is, police found explosives, more explosives, I should say, in Paddock's car at the Mandalay Bay Hotel, where he had, of course, rented out a suite along with 1,600 rounds of ammunition. Um, He had been gambling just hours before he began shooting. He booked an apartment at a high-rise Ogden in downtown Las Vegas a week earlier, and it is obviously not clear uh, still what the motive is. There has been no real indication as to why this man would suddenly, with no criminal record and no documented, uh, I think, cases of violence, um, suddenly uh, inflict this sort of terror upon all of these people. You know,
4: there are clues that are popping up uh, available to the public. I had read uh, a dispatch from the L.A. Times a couple of days ago interviewing Starbucks employees where Stephen Paddock and Mary Lou Danley would go every morning to get the same drink. Uh, And the Starbucks employees had said that uh, Paddock was basically insulting and borderline abusive to Mary Lou Danley. You know, Mary Lou Danley obviously is going through a lot right now. Supposedly, Paddock wired Mm $100,000 to her and her family in the Philippines, sent her on this trip. She said, you know, she felt a little suspicious that he had sent her back to her home country and had uh, reportedly had said that the money was for her family to buy a home but, you know, if I'm Mary Lou Danley in this situation, she probably is trying to save herself and save her family as much as possible. Uh, at this point, I, I, if I were her, I'd be as transparent as possible. Um, but I don't know if she has the ability to do that, because it certainly seems that Stephen Paddock was not a kind, quiet, caring man. He may have been a quiet man, but he was most likely a sick Demented, twisted man on the inside.
3: And she, as you noted, was somewhat suspect about him wiring her $100,000. He had surprised her with a cheap ticket to visit her family just over two weeks ago. And he said that that money was to buy a house. And so what she said in her statement was, I was grateful, but honestly, I was worried it was a way for him to break up with me. It never occurred to me in any way whatsoever that he was planning violence against anyone. Uh we will be of course learning a lot more uh, about the shooting in the coming days, weeks, months. We will keep on breaking it down here on this show, but um we also will talk about the ensuing debate over gun control that uh predictably has cropped up again and I think even more predictably already faces uh, an uphill battle. I am going to switch gears for a moment because we just have been joined in studio by <laughs> Peter Ogburn himself. hello Serena
5: how are you good it's been a morning Peter huh it's been it's been a morning a morning uh we have been in the studio for Christ <laughs> 10 years 11 12 years now yep uh and this is the first time that I've actually been late because of a traffic incident. There was a
4: traffic really? incident. Really? Yeah. This so is the first I know that there I was ever.
3: a traffic incident, but I can't believe that this No, is the it first was time. horrible.
5: It was horrible. this Well, morning. you should have left an hour earlier, damn it. I guess yeah. I should have. I guess the lesson that I've learned now. Yeah. Uh, Just
3: coasting now.
5: And of course, <laughs> we're also dealing with uh, the internet provider that is not even fit to provide internet <laughs> service to a third world country. I'm not going to name the company, but it rhymes with Schmom Schmast.
3: Oh, boy.
5: Like, honestly, honestly. That's why
3: you're listening to us, hopefully, on the TuneIn app, but you cannot actually see us.
5: Probably the worst (laughs) company in America. Probably the worst company in America. Like, if, if I was as bad at doing my job as they are at doing their job, I'd probably still be in prison. Like, it's insane that they get away with not providing service for people who pay for it.
3: But look. This is kind of like the equivalent of a morning Trump Twitter rant. Yeah, but no. but warranted. Sad. Warranted. <laughs> Sad. Sad, Sad what Comcast is able to get That's, away with. But look. The failing Comcast. I'm is... not
5: going to get upset about it. I'm no. not going to get upset yeah. about it. I've got a bum ticker. i got to behave. i got to not get all worked up. <laughs> it's nice to see you.
3: It's so nice to see you. For those of you that
5: are listening. I have not
3: seen here in this studio, Peter, Um, in, well, a couple months, I would say, probably.
5: Uh, it's been five weeks. Five weeks of... Since Since I, since I, since my heart exploded,
3: uh, (laughs) we'll put it that way. Yes. And so whatever the time was before that, that I hosted was the last time you and I were sitting here together Yeah, and it is, it gives me great joy to see you here where you belong.
5: I feel great. Back where you belong. This is my first week back and uh, I should have expected that something this horrible would have happened in my first week back. (laughs) That I would be late. And that we wouldn't have internet.
3: Service. And that we wouldn't have internet service.
4: Well, you know, he said to me, he said, uh, you know, I'll be there as soon as I can. Don't worry. I said, you know what? I've done this <laughs> without you plenty of times. Jamie's, I think we'll be just fine. Jamie's handled yeah. this a couple and of times. And of course, then me. I jinx myself because yeah. when I get here, the internet goes out.
3: <laughs> Famous uh, last words, Jamie. It's being a morning. was wearing a Boston? Red Sox jersey.
4: Playoffs, baby. No, I can't. Game one. I'm not gonna Red Sox-Astros on I'm this not gonna afternoon.
3: <laughs> I will
4: comment on it. Sure? Yeah, no, I it's a football understand. game tonight,
5: too.
3: You have to... Oh,
5: are they going to
4: actually in, win this I week? Like...
3: I don't
5: know, actually. Uh, who are they playing? The, I am going to say, it doesn't really matter who they're playing, because they lost to one of the most garbage teams in the NFL last
4: week. The New England Patriots are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, Jameis Winston. Mr. The crab Legs game. himself. They'll lose that game. They might. Right. <laughs>
3: Peter, um, hi, Sabrina. Hi. So you know, I have to talk to you about Las Vegas because, oh my God, you and I have sat here over the last few years since I've been fortunate enough to be filling in for Bill, and we've talked about this, yeah, so many times before. I just thought back to in the entire show that we did after the shooting in San Bernardino, yeah. Um, you know, I I I recall the other shooting in California targeted toward women. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm actually forgetting exactly. Yeah, I forgot
5: the guy's name, but he was he was a guy who had like a real problem with women.
3: Right, he was a misogynist. He ended
5: up killing all men, but right. he was he he put out a manifesto about how you know women aren't paying enough attention right. to me, and therefore I have the. Uh, a blank slate to go kill people you know we did a
3: whole show around that we did a whole show santa barbara that was santa barbara Barbara. we did a whole show about around pulse that was in orlando uh we've we've just seen this show over and over and over again to the point that i'm almost out of things to say because we already know how this is going to play out yeah we saw the thoughts and prayers that were tweeted or put out in statements from Republicans. We saw Democrats call for stricter gun laws and say now is the time to act. We now have a president who is not going to use the bully pulpit or embrace gun control any time in the foreseeable future, so he suggested just while he was on the ground yesterday in Las Vegas saying that it's a conversation for a later time, as opposed to Obama who... Dedicated much of his second term, at least, to unsuccessfully and very forcefully repeatedly calling for background checks and other measures.
5: Look, we we live in hell. This country is hell. Right. This, is, this is crazy that we allow this to happen. And we are the only nation that allows this to happen. I don't often give a ton of praise to Chuck Todd, but yesterday on his Meet the Press Daily... Don't do it. I know. I have to, though. No, he was absolutely right that, like, like newscasters, pundits, anybody who follows the news needs to take this approach that, like, he said, after the financial collapse, did we say, well, now's not the time to talk about financial regulations? No, everybody got on board and said, we cannot allow this to happen again. Like, you know, when these things happen, we have politicians who we've elected to Make things happen to make things better. I don't, for the life of me, right, understand why we as a nation can't find some common ground. And like, look, I'm extreme. I'll say, I, like, I, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the person who says, go out, take everybody's guns. No one can have a gun. I don't care. Get rid of all guns. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a rubberneck that way. I don't care. I don't want any guns. Right. I don't need a gun. You don't need a gun. You want to go hunting, learn how to shoot a bow, whatever. You're just trying to get on Hannity again. Bring
2: it.
3: <laughs> Bring it. Well, you know, I mean, you but, but, like, can't look, go but, anywhere. You but, can't go to school. You can't go to church. No. You can't go to college. You can't go to the movie theater. You can't go to the office. You can't go to your holiday party. You can't go to a concert. Right, well, we had like. Where can you go? I mean, I, I think it was Trevor Noah who on the night of on Monday as we were, we, you know, we had spent the day waking up to the news and you had a lot of monologues. You know, Jimmy Kimmel had a very forceful one, too. But Trevor Noah, you know, he said when uh, and this is sort of to the point that you were just making. you talk when a plane crashes, you talk about plane safety, sure. when a bridge collapses, talk about infrastructure. Why is it that this is the only case where anytime there's an incident and there are so many more incidents there are daily daily not just these mass shootings that we talk about just, you know daily rates of gun violence that are unparalleled because there isn't even daily gun violence in most countries to begin with certainly not in the developed world no we don't talk about guns no
5: you know look, or gun look, safety look when we when we had cars right right we, like we Cars started rolling out onto the highways. People started driving. People started getting in accidents, which are inevitable. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have seat belts. Right? Right. People were dying at an alarming rate. I'd tell you the numbers, but I don't have internet because Comcast is the worst. <laughs> but 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 people were dying at an right. alarming rate because we didn't have seat belts in our cars. And then we go,
3: ding. Yeah.
5: Maybe we should do something to help people uh and prevent people from dying. Every time there's a fender bend. You know what I mean? Right. Like like we we can do this. This guy who had forty
3: two guns. At least something like that.
5: Forty two guns. guns. you don't need forty two guns, you don't need thirty two guns, you don't need twenty two guns, you don't need twelve guns, you don't need five guns. You want a rifle to go hunting. Okay.
3: He uh, bought uh, most I'll, and I'll. he bought most of these guns within the last one year. Yeah. So, in addition to the fact that he doesn't even, you know, need uh, the type of guns that he bought for anything other than mass murder, why in would someone be oh, ha- purchasing a military style ass- assault weapon? There is also just the other question here, which is okay, let's say someone bought one or two guns in the year. I'm not forget the type for a second. Just say someone sure. bought one or two guns. Sure. And gets legal. It was also legal for this guy to, in the course of one year, buy 40 guns or 40 30 guns. guns. Uh, so guns. wouldn't that, in the existing background check system, obviously it wouldn't, because this is not even something that we've looked at. We haven't even expanded background checks to close all the loopholes that we've talked about you know, forever and ever now. I mean, wouldn't you stop to think, why is someone amassing uh, this, this collection of firearms Many of which are, as we said, you, used in war. Look, and they're I, not even they're not even hunting uh, rifles.
5: I'll tell you what I heard earlier this week. Because when I first came back, I said, "Take everybody's guns," right? Because yeah. that's, that's me. Right? That's not Bill. That's me. Uh, and Hugh Hewitt. You know this guy, Hugh Hewitt? Yeah, I know. Dolt. So he gets cool. He, he t- 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 total goblin. <laughs> He tweets back at us, oh, well, you know, uh, that's not possible. Who are you going to get to go round up the guns? And then there's this torrent of his mouth-breathing followers. And their argument, honestly, I am not exaggerating. Their argument was, if you try and take everybody's guns, you are inciting civil war. Because those people will shoot whoever comes to try and take their guns. So, like, the argument that I hear from hunters is, well, we have a tradition of hunting in our family and I'd like to pass that on to my kids. And like, you know what? Cool, I had a tradition of hunting in my family. I have zero desire to pass that tradition on to my kids because we have grocery stores now. We go buy our food and we don't (laughs) have to go hunt. But like, okay, all right, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But then these guys are making an argument that they have their guns so they can shoot anybody who comes to try and take them. So what's the point? Because at some point, if we are to get rid of these machine guns and semi-automatic weapons that people have in their lives, if they're like first of all i think there's a buyback program that's way more efficient than like going house to house and rounding up people's guns but like they're openly admitting and willing to say we will shoot police officers and armed service members mm. if they come and try and take our guns that's what they're saying that's why they want their guns they're so horny for these guns that they're saying they they will shoot either cops or members of the military just so they can keep having them now I don't, I I don't know that I have a good argument or a defense for that. I'd love to hear it, right? But like,
3: get rid of your guns. What do you need your guns for? And I'm sure we'll be asking. You gotta have 42
5: guns. What, what's wrong with you?
3: We'll be asking this question of uh, Congressman Tim Ryan, who is going to join us in not very long. I'll, if you stay tuned to our show uh, but that's the one thing i do want to point out is a lot of the opponents of let's say universal background checks or a ban on high capacity magazines or assault weapons they'll say well okay you know this measure wouldn't have done anything to stop this shooting or this one would, Oh, there's nothing wouldn't, we can do, wouldn't do there's nothing we that. can do and it's 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 not about one shooting you have to look at the totality yeah because sure Some people in this may pass a background check and they didn't benefit from a loophole, but that doesn't mean that in the last shooting or the one before that or the one before that, there wasn't a failure of the background check system. If you think about Charleston, another shooting, as we were running through the laundry list, the uh, uh, racially motivated uh, shooting at the Emanuel AME Church in 2015, the gunman, Dylan Roof, had uh, benefited from the waiting period being only 72 hours. It's It was dubbed the so-called Charleston loophole after that, yeah. where there was a red flag when he walked into a store and attempted to purchase a firearm. And later, it turned out that he had a criminal record, uh, mostly related to drug charges, but there were some other incidents too. But it 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 took obviously the uh, the system more than seventy two hours to get back to the dealer. And so once seventy two hours had elapsed, that dealer was obligated by the law to sell him his firearm.
5: I'm reminded of of a story that uh...
3: and so that's just an example, like, yeah, sure. you know, there's yeah. there's one where you can say, well, actually, if there were if there were some uh, fixes to existing laws, then that could have potentially prevented Charleston. Actually, like some people said the same. I mean, look, here's I could just run through the laundry list now. They're all coming to me. Navy Yard, the shooting that sure. happened right yeah. here. Um, that, oh well, how would you have stopped it? Washington D.C. has the strictest gun laws, this guy just went over and got his uh, guns in Virginia, yeah. where the guns are, where the laws are more lax. Well, exactly. So now you're actually, ironically, making the case for federal. Laws, as opposed to state level, because you're proving the point that you can't do something state by state. Um, You have to do it at the federal level. And perhaps if there had been, if there's a federal trafficking statute, if there are, if there is a federal, again, like federal background check system that is expanded, among other proposals, a ban on assault weapons, a ban on high capacity magazines. Then yes, actually, a lot of these, uh, not all of them, of course, not all of them, like you said, if unless you take away people's guns, but if you if you pass even one or two modest reforms of any, co- the common sense states that you will reduce gun violence?
5: You could look at every mass shooting in America and you can find some common sense solutions to why that should not have happened. Mm. Full stop. The, I'm reminded of, a, of a, a story that Bill told yesterday. There was a guy who said that uh, he remembers the three deadliest shootings that we've had in this country. Uh, Virginia Tech, Mm. which is in 2007, Mm -hmm. uh, Orlando, the Pulse Nightclub, which was last year, and then now Las Vegas. And that kid who said that was 22 years old. So, like, in a 10-year span, we have seen the three most horrific shootings we could have possibly imagined. The three most uh, deadly shootings on American soil. Uh, And what has happened in those 10 years? Nothing. Sense. No, no, not nothing. A relaxation of the gun laws. Realize, like made it easier yeah, for people to get guns.
3: Actually made it easier. Like we
5: should have completely gone the other direction and we make it easier for mentally ill to get handguns. We're st- we're talking about That is about,
3: something that Trump just did. He just did a couple
5: months ago. We're about to have more debate on on allowing silencers mm-hmm. uh for guns, which nobody needs. Nobody.
3: Nobody needs, needs. Actually, you brought up Virginia Tech that um, in the same year, uh, there was a mass shooting at Northern Illinois University, Um, It's kind of in the Chicago suburbs in the Aurora area. I was at Northwestern at the time. I was a senior. And I still remember this sticks with me that my dad called me. And this is when my family, my parents were still living in Italy. And he was panicked. And he said, my heart stopped because I just heard you know, on the news, and he's, you know, on, in another continent, on in another yeah. country, on another continent, another country, he said, you know, I heard Northern Illinois, and I just didn't even, you know, I, I for a moment I thought they said Northwestern, and I had to just pause for a moment and be like, okay, she's at Northwestern, you're a senior, though, because Virginia Tech had just happened, too, and he was just getting really worried about these campus shootings, and he said, I'm so glad you're a senior like, at least you're getting out of there soon. And when he said meant, "said there, he meant college. And I told him, and I remember this conversation so distinctly, I said, Dad, it doesn't really matter if I'm graduating from college. As long as I live in America, I could get shot anywhere. Yeah. I could be in the office when I get a job. I could be on the metro or yeah. on the bus. I could be filling up my gas. I remember when I moved back to the U.S. to yeah. start college, there was a sniper incident the was sniper happening incident. here in the DMV area. You know, I could be anywhere, really. And I wasn't trying to be so fatalistic, but I was like, you know... Where can you go? What can you I do? I said it doesn't really matter that I'm graduating from college. That's actually irrelevant. It just so happens that you've heard about a couple of mass shootings at universities, and they were so high profile, um, and it had been a while since we had had mass shootings at schools. Maybe Columbine had been the last time before that in, a, in this really pronounced Schools,
5: way. workplaces, subway, pu- any other public transportation, on the street... Pumping gas. There is nowhere that you are guaranteed to be safe from gun violence. And I just don't believe that that is the price of freedom, as Bill O'Reilly has notoriously said now. That, like, the reason that we have a free society is because we allow crazy people to have guns. Right. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I think we can do something.
3: We'll pick up this conversation uh, with Congressman Tim Ryan, who will join us after the break. So stay tuned to the Bill Press Show.
2: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtubecom slash the bill press show
3: welcome back to the bill press show I'm Sabrina Siddiqui political reporter at The Guardian filling in for bill this morning and joining us now live in studio congressman Tim Ryan representing Ohio's 13th district who you could follow on Twitter at Rep Tim Ryan good morning hi how, how are, are you congressman I'm good Good to see you. Uh, good to see you, too. I'm, you know, we I want to kind of start with Las Vegas just because, you know, I don't want to completely shift uh, tone. And then we can talk about many things that are on your plate. Uh, Peter and I were just having a very animated and difficult conversation that we have had so many times right here in the studio. I've, I've been filling in for Bill for years now. And I, I couldn't even name all the mass shootings that I've sat here and talked mm. about that we've done shows around. This is now the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history. Just last year it was Pulse, the one in Orlando at the mm-hmm. nightclub. And uh, you issued a statement, you know, you've called for common sense gun safety measures. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound cynical, I want to ask you, uh, do you have any hope? Because we've had this conversation time and again with no action uh, in Congress.
6: Um, not a lot of hope. I mean, I think, uh, unfortunately, with the Republicans in control, there's no... I don't think there's going to be any opportunity to do something. I have had some conversations about maybe trying to thread the needle on a couple of these things, at least, you know, move the ball down the field a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm not optimistic about it, unfortunately. But I think, you know, the, the three or four things we need to do is, you know, obviously a universal background check makes complete sense, I think, to most people. Um, you know, the, the Charleston loophole uh, that we saw what happened down in Charleston, that needs to be closed where, you know, if, we didn't or the government didn't get to find out within three days as to your background. Um, there shouldn't be just a default position where, you OK, go get the gun now. Mm. Um, you know, at CDC, we need to continue to study this as a public health uh, issue and so i think those are based pretty basic things that we should be able to pass at just obviously at this point
3: there I, I want to ask
5: you really quick question. like th- there are some obvious things that i think we can all agree on right like even even some of the gop agrees that like a background check wouldn't be the worst idea but we're not getting i mean we're, we're not getting some of these things done why is that? Is that the influence of the nra is it just a sort of uh blind holding on to the second amendment i mean what is it that we can't get us over that hump
6: that's yeah, probably a little bit of both and you got to remember too i mean and, and this is the answer to many questions today and across the you know our political discussions these republican districts are so red yeah. that your only threat in that district is a republican primary mm. and that means where's the nra in the republican primary you know, who's pure on issue X, Y, or Z in a Republican primary. And at the end of the day, that drives a lot of people's decision making. Uh,
3: there's been some uh, momentum in these uh, initial days for a, a ban on uh, bump stocks. Uh, that is something that even some Republicans mm-hmm. from Ron Johnson, I know in the Senate, um to a few others who, who kind of said that they would potentially look into and weigh, you know a ban on bump stocks. I think Ron Johnson outright said, and, and he is the chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, he, I, I would be for that. You know, he didn't even hedge. Uh, so that just to kind of uh, let the audience know that you know the bum stocks are what would essentially turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic one. Well, um, that is, that the, is what this uh, particular shooter was able
5: it, to it, do. If you watch the videos, of some of the videos that have come out of the shooting in Las Vegas at the concert, and you see the, the performers up on stage, and you hear the gunshots, I mean, uh, so many people automatically jumped to that that is a machine gun. That mm-hmm. is an automatic weapon. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it, it is it does not sound like a semi-automatic weapon. And I don't know of any reason at all why you would
3: need that. Yeah. Uh, Senator Diane Feinstein has introduced a bill. Uh, She did so yesterday on Wednesday that would ban the sale and possession of bump stock equipment. Um, And so as mentioned, Senator Ron Johnson already saying he would support it. Um, You know, Senator John Thune, who is in Republican leadership, he suggested that they should look at it. Congressman, where do you stand? Is that something that you believe should be banned? Yeah. Okay. yeah. You, are you no. aware of any competitive well, bills in the House? Or, where, where does this even begin? Because the Senate failed with background checks in the aftermath so, of Sandy Hook.
6: So, you know, yes, I think it should. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's going to happen. What, so what's the next step maybe we can take? Now, if you want to get an automatic weapon, there are a lot of hoops you got to jump through, um, certifications and paying this and uh, all this stuff. But then you can get this bump stock and essentially uh, turn your gun into an automatic weapon without doing anything. So at the very, 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 very least, you should at least have to do the same things that you would have to do to be able to get an automatic weapon. I'm for the ban. I don't think you need this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's just this is the kind of thing that that um, we can, we can address and it shouldn't mm. be controversial.
3: Right. The majority of Americans and this has been proven in polling support, a number of, of gun safety measures. When you talk about universal background checks in the aftermath of Newtown, it was 90%. Even if now with some momentum being lost, is isn't quite that high. The support still stands at roughly 80%. Even majorities of Americans support bans on assault weapons and high capacity magazines, but you know, Congressman, you're from Ohio. So we're not mm-hmm. talking about you know new york or california are one of these bastions of liberal ideals yeah. you've got a wide range of constituents and i've <laughs> yeah.
5: well, I, I, I lived in ohio for a little while I mean, there are a lot of hunters in ohio and, yeah. and they they use guns to go hunt. you are yeah. in a you're yeah.
3: from a state that overwhelmingly voted uh to elect uh president trump who why do you
6: <laughs> got to remind me <laughs> Sorry Did you bring me here to punish me <laughs> <laughs>
3: who who in the early 2000s as is the case with a long list of issues was for all kinds of gun safety measures, including assault weapons ban. He blamed Republicans. He said they won't give an inch. They're owned by the NRA. Of course, somewhat before launching his political career, changed his tune. The NRA was a very early supporter of his campaign, despite his inconsistent record. But when you talk to your constituents, I, you know, what do you hear from them? Do you hear pushback? And are people not maybe talking about gun safety in the Right terms is it perhaps even just the way that we talk about it that seems to be inf- interpreted by people as infringing on their rights, or do you hear support from your constituents?
6: You know, I haven't heard anything. I've been in D.C. for most of the um, you know Las Vegas uh, situation. I think most people, most hunters in Ohio, are reasonable on this stuff. They're not. They're not out. To, they're not firebrands necessarily on the issue. They want to hunt. It's a family tradition. It's been passed down through generations. It's one of the most relaxing things they do. I Ooh. mean, you t- I talk to a lot of hunters, and they just they come back different because they've been they've been sitting in a duck blind and uh, or against a tree turkey hunting, and it's quiet some and people no have one, Yoga. Some people have some head. people. I mean, and that's true. I mean, it's just it's very uh, good. F- for our culture, I think, uh, in Ohio. But I don't think they're against universal background checks. Mm. Of course you don't want a criminal to get a gun. That, that's what drives, I think, everybody crazy here. It's like, so you, you can have a guy get on an airplane and it's okay, or not okay to get on an airplane, but you can get a, yourself a gun. Mm. I mean, those are the kind of things. So I, I think presented properly, this stuff um, could pass, and it would be modest steps, and hopefully it would have an impact.
5: I, I've got a lot of hunters in my family. I've been around hunters for a while. None of them have semi-automatic weapons to go yeah. hunting.
6: Yeah. Uh,
3: know. Switching gears a little bit, because it's been an eventful, as usual, uh, 24 hours, but we woke up yesterday to reports uh, that Secretary of State Rex Tillerson <laughs> had privately called the president a moron. I
6: can't imagine that. <laughs>
3: His language was actually reportedly a lot more colorful than I'm allowed yeah, to yeah, say yeah. on air. Yeah. Um,
6: this is the Bill Press Show. Come on, anything <laughs> goes. Give us, give it to us.
3: But then you had, and I feel like we've exhausted the word "unprecedented," but it is unprecedented. And I almost think we shouldn't, you know, just now be dismissive of all of the dysfunction because the rest of the world, and this is the nation's top diplomat, the rest of the world is watching, and they don't think, you know, they haven't just resigned themselves to the chaos uh, as being par for the course because we had the Secretary of State have to come out. And deliver a speech reinforcing his not just reinforcing his commitment to the president, but praising um, his Telling record us how smart he on foreign policy, this very glowing um, <laughs> expression of admiration. Congressman, what do you think the rest of the world is thinking right now when they are watching this unfold? That, too, from the person who is supposed to be negotiating with other world leaders or his counterparts who represent other world leaders on our behalf.
6: I think it makes him look weak. I, You know, I, I thought, really, Tillerson, from reports of CEOs that I know that know him, I don't know him personally, said this pretty stand-up guy, you know, CEO of Exxon. I mean, you think, like, cowboy boots and hat and pretty tough guy. Uh, and then you see him kind of whimpering around Donald Trump and not getting any support from the president. I think international leaders are looking at us saying, boy, it's a lot of dysfunction going on in the United States right now. And here's the thing. It, it's so critical that we provide leadership right now in the world. I mean, there are so many complicated scenarios now. North Korea is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at what China's doing in the South China Sea. Look at Syria. What's going on in the Middle East? What's Iran doing? Um, you know, on and on. We've got a lot of issues, and if the United States isn't leading, things get really screwed up. Mm. And I could use another word there too. You know, but <laughs> something family, similar to the family to, program. To the, something yeah, something similar
3: to what Rex Tillerson yeah, actually exactly.
6: said. <laughs> um, so that that's what bothers me. Is like, look. There are consequences to this decision with Donald Trump right now.
3: I'm going to ask you point blank: Do you think that Rex Tillerson should, Rex Tillerson should resign?
6: I, I no, I, no, because okay. I don't know who the hell they'd put in after. Put him. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like mostly Democrat, but yeah, he I should mean, people be fired. float
3: Nikki Haley, who is the ambassador to the UN. Some people think that she is sort of acting as the de facto Secretary of State. I guess the question is: Do you think that Rex Tillerson is compromised by the events of yesterday? Uh, one the report of the of the of the internal feud between him and the president but then also i think proving that he doesn't really have much influence
6: yeah in this administration i don't know i i look at tillerson i look at mattis i look at mcmaster i look at kelly and i think you know there's those are the adults in the room right now that Mm -hmm. are preventing something really really bad from maybe happening and i i i You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do worry anytime I see someone leave the administration, Mm. I cringe because I don't know who they're going to put in.
5: That's a really good point. I mean, look, this is this is not a problem. This is not a failing of right. Mm. Right. This is what Donald Trump has done to the State Department Mm -hmm. and and the people who are running the White House with him. You know, like there are multiple uh, uh, offices that have not been filled in the State Department. Yeah, they're just recently started doing press briefings for the state department which doesn't seem like a big deal to us but is a mm. really big deal to other countries that's how they figure out what we're doing they watch the press briefings and mm-hmm. the press conferences mm-hmm. like that all comes from trump yep and if rex tillerson goes you're right i don't i mean i don't know who trump puts in there but well, I, I don't have a much about it but it wouldn't much matter because
3: anything his secretary of state says he would presumably undercut hours later on Twitter yeah. or in a yeah. speech, I suppose to some extent doesn't like you said, there are some people who keep the wheels running or seem to be the adults. Nothing's really going to stop him I, the president I should say at the end of the day will it from undermining his own staff
6: doesn't seem like anything can stop him at this point I mean I remind people he's seventy seventy one years old he's been doing this his whole life yeah he's clearly addicted to social media uh, this is not going to stop <laughs> like uh, f- f- go hunting, find your yoga, like because <laughs> <laughs> you know. I I think a lot of people are like, I want off the ride. Yeah, like I just you know you've been on those roller coasters. It's like okay, one too many, cir- you know the hills. Thing, though, one
5: the thing though, this is his yoga.
6: Oh yeah, this is his hunting. wow. This is what he yeah. does to yeah. unwind. Yeah, the chaos.
3: Well, it's oh, yeah. only so it's it's chaos. It's only been nine months, and it's been nine months of chaos. It feels like it's been years.
5: Boy, you want to Uh, kill five years, spend nine months with Donald Trump as president. (laughs) God, have mercy! I have to ask you
3: because the more that this sort of chaos unfolds, is this tenable? How long can this last? I mean, you have you know a president who is overseeing a period of complete dysfunction. How long do you think that this could last? And what know. could change? There's no
6: end in sight. I mean, I mean that's that's the scary part. And you have people in Congress who aren't weren't willing to exert their yeah. uh, constitutional responsibilities as well, and that makes things very very difficult to c- kind of c- contain and surround the president to make sure that he doesn't do anything. But when you have Twitter and you have thirty million followers and the media follows it, you know, with the with the touch of a button, he can he can stoke a good deal of chaos, and he has. I don't see it stopping. I just, I would like to say I, I do, but I just don't see it stopping.
3: So he's so... not going to get
5: impeached. It's just not going to happen. Not as long, not, not, not while we have this current setup. I mean, the elections next year are going to be a big, big deal. And if we could flip the house or, flip, so, you know, whatever we could do there, that's great.
0: Mm-hmm. But
5: even still, like, uh, there are people out there that think that the Republicans are going to come to their senses and say, "Well, this is we've had enough of Donald Trump." The Republicans are not going to save you. No. They're
6: well, not. You they get a, in line. You, They're yeah, they will. in line. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, that's a that's a perfect segue, because I was going to ask uh, you uh, about your party's efforts to retake the House, not just the House, the Senate. I mean, mm-hmm. you happen to be in the House a few years down the road, the White House, and you are among a group of Democrats who uh, were at a rally in Des Moines on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You were calling on your party to refocus on the working class. Uh, Congressman, you you did run uh, for the speakership earlier this year, uh, and you had some disagreements with leadership. Um, Obviously, you know, Nancy Pelosi is still the minority leader. Are you satisfied with the direction that leadership has taken since the election?
6: I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. I think we're we're clearly talking more about jobs, pensions, the economy more than we were, say, nine, ten months ago. Um, and to me, I think that's that's an essential message that can help unite us and I think help us reach out to a lot of the people who did go and vote for Trump or stayed home or voted for some third-party candidate instead of Hillary Clinton. They felt like we weren't connecting with them. And really, being in Ohio and being in Iowa, you really see the depth of the disconnect between both parties. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's how Trump got in. Trump, I mean, ran as a third-party candidate. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. He was a Republican, but— Many Democrats crossed over because he, they felt like he was a third-party uh, candidate. They felt like he was truly independent. And, and so we're getting there. I think we, we need a message of growth. You know, we, we, with tax cuts, we've got to talk about, okay, how is this going to help grow the economy? How is this going to help working-class people you know, I'm proposing a trillion dollar expansion of the earned income tax credit, which would be primarily, you know, you give somebody making 75 grand a year with three kids, 12,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like Those are the kind of like really robust, aggressive policies we need to talk about.
3: Mm-hmm. I should just correct myself. You obviously didn't run for the speakership. I meant to say the leadership. Yeah. Speaker Ryan is a different Speaker Ryan. <laughs> he
6: won his race for <laughs> it. Uh,
3: he won his race, but you know, it's um, I. You know, I, I want to ask you though, because you're saying you want a message of growth. I think there is this. Uh, what is it called a better deal? Is that the the, the catchphrase? Yeah. The fact
6: that you don't know is <laughs>
3: no, <indicative> no. Of. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to make sure because there's it is better deal. There's so I, I said it right. I mean, I just wanted. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, that, that's a good point, though. Like, uh, ask the average American. Well, the reason I yeah. the
3: reason I wanted to, because we're all so exhausted. Now, granted, I'm a reporter, so I'm living and breathing the the news cycle that is largely dictated by the president. If anything, I was going to say, uh, part of the difficulty in getting the message across is how do you ba- break through in the age of Trump? Um, you know, your party obviously wants to hold him accountable. Mm-hmm. You want to call out. You know decisions he makes uh, with which you disagree and also, of course, speak to the chaos and, and show it and hold it up as an example of why you believe that he is failing and that there needs to be turnover and there needs to be change. Um, but do you, how do you break through at a time where it's just Trump, 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 Trump 24-7?
6: You know, I think you got to play the long game. I mean, nothing's going to happen overnight where we're going to – our message is instantaneously going to penetrate the psyche and consciousness of the American voter. It's just not going to happen. We need to build our infrastructure on the ground, door knocking, registering people to vote, having those people active on the ground. And those people are our messengers, and it's eyeball to eyeball. It's on people's front porch. It's on the other side of the screen door. That's how we communicate. And we can't win today. I mean, clearly, Trump voters are still giving Trump a chance. I mean, they're still saying, well, let's wait and see. Maybe this trillion-dollar infrastructure package will come. Maybe the coal mines will open up. Maybe the steel mills will open up all this garbage that he peddled during the election. But at some point, they're going to say, I think this guy was kind of like throwing us some BS. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, we have better already laid the groundwork, and I think we're starting to do that. I think we've got some great candidates running. We've got a lot of veterans running. We have got this Iron Worker running against Paul Ryan. Iron Stash. We've got a former uh, manufacturing executive running up in Michigan, uh, woman. So we've got some good candidates, I think, that are out there because there's so much interest. And if and if we're out there talking about the economy, the economy, economy, we can do better. We can do better. We can do better. Um, That, to me, is the first couple of steps forward for us. And I think we're starting to take them.
5: And we can never, ever forget that part of politics. Mm -hmm. Because, frankly, I think we did during the eight years of Barack Obama as Democrats. I I think that, like, we just took our eye off the ball. There was so many times that the Republicans voted to repeal Obamacare. Mm -hmm. But Democrats just kind of said, yeah, we've got... Barack Obama is president. It's never gonna yeah. be repealed, and like, you we know, like we, it's not just about winning the presidency. It's did, just not.
6: We didn't frame up the 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 obstruction from the Republicans enough. You mm. know, they they the Republicans obstru- he, Obama had a jobs bill in in Congress. He was he wanted to do more, but he couldn't. He was hamstrung because of because of the politics and the control of the Republicans in the House and the Senate. But I don't think we did enough. Uh, to say, look, I want to create jobs. I want to do that X, Y, and Z, and the Republicans are stopping me and really put the heat on them politically and use the bully pulpit um, to be able to do that. So, you know, we, but we've got to have, I think, a couple of concrete ideas on how we're going to get people back to work, too. I think we need to talk about there's 300, I've got a commission that, um, Bill, that starts a commission to do this. We've got 300,000 federal workers in Washington, D.C. Mm. There's no reason why we can't. Evaluate that and figure out how do we get 10, 15 percent of those workers out into the countryside. If you could get 30, 40,000 federal jobs and put a thousand in Youngstown, 500 in Dubuque, 500 in Gary, Indiana, you know, and, and start like putting a tourniquet on these communities. I mean, I, I just I don't think most people, even elected officials, Democrats, know the severity of what's happened to some of these communities over the last 40 years. I mean, it, it, is, it is blight, mm. is dilapidation, it's old factories sitting there. It's like this is baloney. These yeah. things in America should come down, all of them, mm-hmm. and we need to rebuild our communities. And if the federal government can say, okay, you're going to get 500 federal jobs, we're going to build a building— You know, it's going to provide income tax, property Mm -hmm. tax. There'll be 500 people in your downtown. You could start building a walkable community. Federal government can do that. You can do that. The jobs are here. They're here. They're right here.
3: On the the question of uh, rebuilding communities uh, in a a different sense, I want to ask you, I don't want to let you go without asking you, what is Congress doing to help uh, people in Puerto Rico where there's been such devastation? Um, but you people without food, without water, without medicine, is there been any movement?
6: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure from us to get the administration. Obviously, the executive branch runs this. Um, you know, the president was down there yesterday or two days ago. Um, he had some throwing, paper
5: towels to throw out. So
6: I feel like I'm back in my fraternity house. we watching awful. this stuff. You it know, was it's awful. like the disconnect between what's going on. I I, I know Democrats stand that they're ready to try to help in a lot of different ways. So, we'll see. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be run through the executive and you know, including using the military.
3: Yes, I do think that I was saying at the top of the show, we'll probably in the many images we have from this presidency, that might be one of the prevailing images is from a shot of him tossing paper towels, paper towels to people yeah. in need.
6: The terrible the strain on the budget. You but, know? Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, And if only they had faced a real yeah. catastrophe like, like Katrina. Katrina yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, Congressman Tim Ryan, thank you so much for joining us this That's morning. Right. We'll be back after the break, so stay tuned to The Bill Press Show.
5: Good stuff, as always.
2: This is The Bill Press Show.
1: It's so
2: great to have you on board. Many thanks. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show.
3: Good morning and welcome back to The Bill Press Show. I'm Sabrina Siddiqui, political reporter at The Guardian, filling in for Bill on this Thursday morning, top of the hour. And joining us now in studio is my friend and former colleague, Christina Wilkie, who is a politics reporter for CNBC Good morning, Christina. Good morning. How's it going? Great. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thank you for being on. It's so great to see you here. Obviously, Peter Ogburn is still with us. Barely. Barely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, Christina and I... Can he
5: make it through the week? (laughs) Let's see.
3: Christina and I used to work together at the Huffington Post back when we still called it the Huffington Post. Post, and now all the cool kids call it Huff Post. And for some reason, we're letting Igor Bobich on the show after you. I don't know what what was <laughs> up with that. It's a full reunion. Uh, but oh, wait, really, he's coming in. I don't know. You know, Jamie did the booking, but Ooh. yeah, you could obviously. I don't know if I'm sticking around for that. <laughs> you can obviously follow uh, Christina on Twitter at Christina Wilkie and read her great work online at CNBC.com. Uh, can I just
5: say, by the way, on Twitter. Christina is so good.
3: Yeah, she's amazing. Like, she's right
5: there. No, seriously. Like, like you're just like a surgeon. You just get exactly what needs to be said. Thanks, man. It's really good.
0: Yeah, um, I think my brain functions in 140 characters. So <laughs> you, it Suits me perfectly. Any longer, and I begin to ramble. But um, it's like scoop, Christina Wilkie invented Twitter. There you go. <laughs> scoop, Twitter made Christina Wilkie possible.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been uh, talking about Rex uh, Tillerson and how crazy it is that he had to come out and give what I have called not too dissimilar from a dear leader type of speech. Yeah. Um, and some, some guy got really upset that I, that I said that on television. It was obviously a Trump supporter who's like, you're, how dare you? You have no idea what you're talking about. You, he, I think he basically called me a moron, which is what Tillerson reportedly called Trump behind closed doors. And Christina, one, what, what does this tell you about Rex Tillerson, his performance
0: on the job, and his relationship with the president? Uh, well, if I could also say, um, my colleagues at NBC News also reported, uh, Stephanie Ruhl reported that, um, that he not only called the president a moron, he called him an effing moron. Oh, yeah. Which, when you think about it, works much better as a oh, statement to make. Yeah. You know, like, a
5: hundred percent. I've never say it in your head. Um, as a grown-up, I've never called someone a moron. Right. I've called plenty of people effing morons.
3: Exactly. You know Weird what I
0: mean? I do sometimes call people just morons. I don't know why that comes. I don't think I would. And if you, I mean, and then put it into Rex Tillerson's own language yeah. and um, and the the way that he speaks, and it really becomes much more natural. So, what, the do way, you, what kind? I, what have to, are you? I have to say
5: really quick. I don't mean to interrupt, but Donald oh. Trump tweeted about this oh, this morning. Of course morning. he did. Uh, I just want to read that. He says Rex Tillerson never threatened to resign. This is fake news put out by NBC News. Low news and reporting standards. No verification from me. Which I have to say, that's the best part. I agree. That yeah. Be- no verification from me. As
3: though the yeah. president. A known liar. Are we now reaching, what? well, one, yes, he's not like any, a lot of what he says is true to begin with. But also, are we now reaching out directly to Trump for confirmation? Not only that, but is guess this what? Thing? If yeah, he was right, never right.
0: in this conversation to begin with. This was a conversation right, right. between NSC members, Pence and, um, and Tillerson. So, so what? So what? the notion that he would verify a conversation he wasn't a part of. Okay. Is... So Trump says, he, uh, you know, we total confidence is sometimes you, the kiss of death." Do you think that Trump has confidence in Rex Tillerson? I, I think Trump doesn't like Rex Tillerson. I don't think they've ever um, gotten along as individuals. They don't see eye to eye. Um, Rex Tillerson is, as a person, the, the practically the opposite of Trump. Um, he eschews the spotlight. He does not like to be surrounded by people. He doesn't. um, He's not a showman. This has frankly made his job and his work as secretary of state. I think it's 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 injured and undermined his ability to be America's face to the world. Mm. He doesn't he doesn't like being the public face of much of anything. Uh, We have we have uh, this
5: job and Trump hates the State Department and put those two things together along
0: with the personal animosity or or lack of warm feelings Uh, Rex Tillerson uh,
3: in his uh, speech uh, Was asked if he called the president a moron. Let's take a listen to what he had to say
1: I'm not gonna deal with petty stuff like that. I mean, this is this is what I don't understand about Washington again, you know, I'm not from this place but the places I come from, we don't deal with that kind of petty nonsense.
0: Rex Tillerson has been in front of enough cameras for enough years and done enough press relations that he understands how to deny, if you're going to deny, and how not to if you're not going to. So that's not a denial. No, that's and not that's, a denial. That's, that's no all no that matters no denial about that in sentence. The, in his statement. No, There's he just no brushed denial. it off. Yeah. And
3: then seeking to do cleanup, a State Department spokeswoman, Heather Nauert. Nauert, I, yeah. I never knew how to say her name, but she was a more adamant that he did not use those words the secretary does not use that type of language The secretary <laughs> did not use that type of language
4: to speak about the president of the united states he does not use that language to speak about anyone
3: so I hope that that clarifies
0: See. it. It doesn't. I'm sorry. Tillerson why, had why, one why chance is, why? to answer the question. I mean,
3: that's that's like, I think I love that the that, cleanup, that, right? That, 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 that these
0: politicians
5: are so pure that they don't right. use that potty language.
3: Very yeah. much. That's her doing cleanup because cleanup. everyone said that Twitter blew up. All the reporters are saying no. To, and it, obviously all the talking has immediately said notice he didn't deny it.
0: Right. And, and it was part of a broader cleanup that happened yesterday. So we also had the State Department Communications Director, R.C. Hammond, who also came out and he had reportedly been part of this conversation um, during which during which Tillerson um, you know called the president a moron. But um, there was a second part of this conversation Nikki Haley. Yes uh,
3: why um, did Rex Tillerson's spokesman take a clear swipe but he had a, he had this anecdote that was so clearly designed to undermine Nikki Haley. I mean, the, the story essentially said that one of these conversations between Pence and uh, Tillerson, uh, was pep talks was, pep talks, uh, was so that the, the the Pence could gauge whether Nikki Haley was effective or not in her job was something to that
0: effect. It was it was um, Pence calling to ask um, Tillerson whether Tillerson thought that Nikki Haley was effective in her job and whether he thought that she was good for the administration. You don't ask those questions if you know the answers if they're if if the answers are confident. And the fact that that R C Hammond put this story out there and and describe this story to an NBC reporter um, is, I mean, he's also a like a career communications pro. Right. So, you know, this this is not accidental. Um, he wasn't just relaying a, a random anecdote. Um, he, it's, it's live, a well-known...
3: Tell us about the bad blood here. Is it that <laughs> Rex Tillerson feels threatened by Nikki Haley because she's ambassador to the UN, but is it because she's seen as this de facto secretary of state or as the person who would... Likely, take his job. what is what is the
0: backstory here? The, the backstory is that I Nikki Haley has made, and her staff um, have made little secret in private that she would um she would be interested in being Secretary of State. She's also made little secret of the fact that she has broader national political ambitions. Um, which Tillerson, frankly, does not. You know, he's he's hardly going to be running for office in five years. And yeah, I know we yeah, also yeah, almost yeah. chuckle is, at that idea, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? Right. But That's crazy. Um, but Nikki Haley's in a very different position. Um, she has been long floated, even the, since I mean, since the, her earliest days as governor of South Carolina, she's been floated as a potential presidential candidate. Um, she is burnishing her credentials, and and she, I mean, she has a good. She and her staff have a good working relationship with the president. She is seen to have. Um, to have represented the United States well, she goes in front of the cameras. She is telegenic, but behind the scenes, um, I mean, I, I said this to a colleague. Practically every time Tillerson sneezes, uh, we are informed that if uh, privately that if if he were to step down, um, Haley would be more than happy to um to step in. Yeah,
5: I mean, she left her job as the governor of South Carolina for this job at the UN. That can't be the final stop for us.
0: That's
3: her. not the end game. That's not the no. end game, right. The The president uh, weighed in on this entire uh, controversy, albeit briefly. This was when he was on the ground in Las Vegas. Total and... confidence in Rex. I have total confidence.
5: Well, he just dragged him on Twitter earlier this week saying that like...
3: There's one more. Oh, go ahead. Before
2: I'm very honored by his comments. It was fake news. It was a totally phony story. Thank you very much. It was made up. It was made up by NBC. They just made it up.
0: Very honored. That to me was, I mean, it was that kind of surreal. But it was sort of a surreal um, Trump moment where it seems as though he is getting very different information than the rest of America is, or that he has decided to believe one thing um, that is not borne out by the reporting or the facts, and um, it's as though he only listened to, um, you know, to, to the dear leader portion. Of Tillerson's remarks, yeah, 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 yeah well,
3: yeah. how you know? But he is so fixated on how he is covered, how he his administration is perceived. No, no, has, no, no, no,
5: no, no, no. I don't think he's all that interested in how his administration. No, how is he, perceived. Is. He, mean, he, he is. I d- mean, he is he he right.
3: I, I mean, when I say administration, I mean as a reflection of him. Sure, yeah. Okay. You know? That's so, fair. so how That's damaging fair. is the, is this report for Rex Tillerson? I mean, Trump might say and tweet on the surface he has confidence. It's fake news. But he holds a grudge and yes. he, he's not... Yeah.
0: How, and this is exactly the how, sort of how headline... How upset is he? This is, this is yes, one Yes, this of those... is the sort of headline that the president hates most. Um, this is... It's personal. It's someone undermining him. It is a member of his administration who he thinks... He believes he has... On his cabinet members, he has bestowed upon them the the um, blessing, I think Ryan's Priebus called it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. of working in his administration, he demands absolute loyalty, even though he doesn't always return absolute <laughs> loyalty. But um, but that is the personal loyalty um, of his cabinet members to him and not making him look bad um, is absolutely paramount. And if you think about the way that Mike Pence, um, you know, kisses up is the, the term that comes to mind. Yeah. But um, how very, uh, very complimentary he is in everything he says um, I mean Nikki Haley as well has been very always very very complimentary of very the president effusive, yes effusive, but also um you know overall rep adding burnishing the trump administration's whether it's um at, up at the u n their international credentials basically and um and the notion that the United States can is a player on the world stage that we will that we could put together north Korean sanctions votes um and Tillerson has not done nearly um Nearly what other cabinet members have.
3: So, so what? How long can you envision him lasting in this role?
0: Earlier this year, there was talk that he might last out, that he might last the year, um, and that after a year, he would—I um, mean, he would step aside. That this wasn't something that he wanted to continue doing. Um, this role, frankly, again, doesn't particularly suit him as a person. Um, he does not appreciate being you know, on the road. 300 days a year he doesn't enjoy the, the United States travels the united, the Secretary of State traditionally travels with an enormous diplomatic cadre to these international meetings and and the there's there's something there are optics about this so the secretary comes with his large american delegation and and this is I mean it is an optics thing where there were the other countries whether it's the UN General Assembly or or meetings in Vienna or in the Middle East people see this large united Um, American delegation, and he doesn't like to travel that way. I mean, as my, you know, uh, I have people close to me who work um, in American diplomacy, and they remind one of them reminded me that um, that Secretary Kerry, John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, used to travel with no less than seventy five people in any time. And Tillerson has made it very clear that he likes to travel with three or four.
3: So, so Rex Tillerson, one thing also is someone who does not that's remarkable um, well so rex says one thing i I made the point yesterday um uh, when we when this this fallout was um first coming to the surface that he doesn't have a lot of allies on capitol hill he was narrowly confirmed I 56 43 he received the most number of no votes for any secretary of state in senate history and you know you remember granted the President has stood by him, but you remember when <laughs> for all those mo- weeks, months that the President was laying Jeff Sessions out to dry and just brutally attacking him, and all these Republicans lined up behind Jeff Sessions. The reaction was a little more muted about what Rex Tillerson's future might be um but except for Bob Corker, who was an early supporter of Rex Tillerson's. he, of course, is the chairman of the Senate formulations committee he's he's uh, just uh, w- two weeks ago said he will. Retire. I want to first, we'll get to in a moment, uh, Christine, what you have to say, play his reaction um, to this controversy over Tillerson.
4: Secretary Tillerson, Secretary Mattis, and uh, Chief of Staff Kelly uh, are those people that help separate our country from chaos.
0: Wow. Chaos. That is um, that is a low uh, Tell us how you really feel, Bob right? low marks. He's giving the administration. Do we have another clip?
3: No, we just okay. we have a little bit of uh I, I mean th- that Bob I, We have a little bit of a Bob of a, Corker.
5: A, no, no, no. And Bob Corker joke. Bob Corker was one of the first people who met with Trump after Trump was elected. You remember he like yes. went Yes.
3: Well, he was
0: under consideration. He, should, he was under right, consideration to be Secretary for Secretary of State. Yeah,
5: for Secretary of State. And
0: he's widely considered on the hill he has always been um considered one of the the more reasonable, very well-informed um uh, thoughtful, available Senators. And a very vocal critic of Trump's, yes. And part um, of
3: why, interestingly, I thought one of the most interesting pieces of his retirement statement was that after a lot of thought, he's decided not to seek reelection, and he thinks that this next period, up until next November, might be the most important period of his public service. Which was almost like a warning to Trump. He said something about wanting to have independence, yeah. which is like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Right. And I'm out. Yeah, and mean, these, I'm, guys, I'm... <laughs> these
5: guys have got. I mean, their backs have got to be killing them from carrying all this water for Trump. I mean, right. you
3: know, at least one person is willing to just call it quits, throw it in the towel, and be like, you know, if I he's going to burn it all down, I'm not going. I'm yeah. not going right. with you. And I will actually speak my mind more now. I feel like a lot more free. I mean, it shouldn't take not you know being up for the election, of course, to to have people, people speak freely. But he's sort of saying, as he did yesterday. You know uh, that he's going to be more candid. Um, so it's Christine. Christina, tell me about Bob Corker and his comments. Corker unplugged.
0: This is just—it's a, a magic time, I find, when um, when lawmakers announce their retirement. That the time between the time that they actually leave public life and um, and when they announce they're not going to be seeking reelection, Corker was also looking at a potential primary challenge um, from the right. Mm-hmm. So he was he was looking down the barrel of a very ugly race. Um, tons of fundraising, a lot of the things, frankly, that are the the least pleasant um, and the the worst for your family and and just for individual lawmakers to undergo as people. So he was looking at an absolutely miserable couple of years, and he had said when he when he entered first was elected to the Senate that he didn't plan to serve for very long.
3: And if you have followed uh, Bob Corker at all, uh, as you and I both have since the election, since prior to the election even. Uh, if there's anyone who, faced with a challenge from the right is not willing to bear hug Trump, mm-hmm. right? he's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he said after um, the Charlottesville attack when Trump blamed both sides, um, you know, he questioned Trump's stability and capacity uh, to lead. And uh, you could just see that he was just at that point and it was only a matter of time. Um, but other
0: like, than some Corker, of those guys I mean, were
5: forced to go out and defend yes, these comments and, on and Charlottesville. And what I think is
0: really interesting in the next nine months, um, it, Corker, I imagine, will probably emerge as one of the voices of the of the. You know, the more middle of the road, reasonable, call them what you will. The Republicans who aren't willing to um, to embrace the president. Mm. Corker, in his case, frankly, because he doesn't have to. Um, You know, there is he is not making he doesn't have to raise money. He doesn't have to make the party look united. So whereas we have I mean, Corker has certainly acted as as a voice, um, a voice that is pushed back a little bit. Um I think he'll be he'll be a Ooh. very interesting person to watch in the next 9 months because he he's also he's very popular among his caucus um he yeah. he speaks per, you know I think we can probably expect him to to speak on behalf of some senators and and other members of the GOP caucus who, who don't have the say liberty so Yes.
3: I I want to ask you switching gears somewhat because you've also been covering Puerto Rico and uh, of course not uh, nearly enough attention has been given um, and to the devastation caused by the storm there, but also, more importantly, to the lack of urgency uh, in terms of how the government has responded. Now, there has been some response. The officials in, in Puerto Rico say that you know it was maybe initially mischaracterized that they had, had no outreach whatsoever um, from the administration, but can you tell us where things stand, what, it, whether we
0: what what are we seeing an aid package of any kind? We we saw yes we actually we did yesterday late yesterday um we saw the beginnings of the of an outline from from the president from OMB um, of a twenty three billion dollar long term aid package that um, that I believe will be voted on in Congress in mid November. Um, is this it, just for Puerto Rico also no, Harvey is No, this is, a, this and is Florida, Harvey okay. and Florida. And, you know,
5: no, no, no. We, they, 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 they were not going to, I was going to just say, Puerto no, Rico. No, but well, this is the real
0: thing. Well. $23 billion. And, and How is, much
3: will be allocated to Puerto Rico? Is it broken down in any no, way? No, not yet. This,
0: this remains to be seen because you have certain programs like flood insurance, um, that will, you know, that that need to be shored up significantly, but that you can't necessarily allocate. You know, it, it's not it's not all immediate debt relief or immediate. Pardon me, immediate uh, hurricane relief and first aid. It's it's lo- the long term, longer term assurances, um, whether it's infrastructure rebuilding, but um, but that that aren't easily chopped up, mm-hmm. um, this sort of federal funding. But mm-hmm. it will be interesting. I mean, I I think we expect it to pass. We expect mm-hmm. it to to receive. Um, wide support from from both parties um, and, um, and it significantly ramps up the amount of, of money that the federal government mm-hmm. uh, will you know will be kicking into these three terrible disasters. The
3: president was obviously on the ground uh, this week in uh, Puerto Rico and we were talking about those images where he's tossing the paper towels to people. Oh. Um, but he came under criticism for more than just that. That was um, just dopey, right? I mean, well, right, but it, it was, and it was, it was um, tacky to say the least. Sure, but but and tone deaf, tone and, deaf, and but, perhaps but he, his, he um, as he has had been doing prior to the trip, but he did in person uh, again bring up this question of the debt and emphasize fiscal responsibility, which he did not do in Texas. He did not do in Florida. Christina, why does he keep harping well, so on the debt? this is
0: a very interesting thing because as he was leaving Puerto Rico, um, late, much later at night, uh, he was speaking to Geraldo Rivera. And mm. he said, point blank, that Puerto Rico's debt will be wiped out. And he was addressing, he said, he said, is it your friends at Goldman Sachs? I don't know who it is who holds this debt, but um, they're not going to get repaid and, the, and we're just going to have to wipe it out. And he, yes, so this was, um, this took markets by, I mean, by the shocked markets. It sent Puerto Rican uh, debt bonds, the bond market for Puerto Rican debt reeling. Um, and what, you know, the, the, I mean, Puerto Rico has already moved to, into a sort of a bankruptcy to try to restructure its billions of dollars in debt. Um, but so, uh, and the White House and, uh, and the administration spent much of yesterday uh, mopping up uh, Trump's comments, um, and I'm making it very clear to bondholders that Puerto Rico's debt would not be, quote, wiped out, that they would they would still move through legal channels. There's no indication that there's a legal way for mm. the government to simply, um, you know, to simply basically tell the, all these bondholders of Puerto Rican debt um, to shove off. That's <laughs> that, that's just... Uh, um, but, but then if you think about it, it, it's easy for Trump to say he liked... At the time he said it, he seemed to like um like the feeling of it he liked to kind of stick it in the eye of the bankers was what you got from his tone and mm. and in his career as a developer frankly um i think he's never been much of a friend of creditors yeah um, he's <laughs> he has uh, he's he's carried a lot of debt for a lot of his life um what
3: but isn't it ironic that this person who himself has you know had a record of bankruptcy in his business is out here when, of all times, too, when we're talking about U.S. citizens, mind you, who are just, you know, again, without food, without water, without medication, their homes have been destroyed, people are dying. Uh, and, and First of all, well, you is, have to
5: understand that Donald Trump doesn't realize that Puerto Rico is part of the United well,
3: States. Well, so he's just an a, island he, 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 surrounded
5: um, by... <laughs> Water, Water. big water, water. ocean
3: Ocean water, but um, you know, there's a sense that he views them as second class citizens. I mean, you've seen the San Juan mayor really, really go after him, and he attacked her, of course, because he he must. He also, while he was there, said they should be proud because they had only had 16 deaths. That's been revised upward to you know more than 32. We don't even know the numbers because they hadn't updated the death toll in a week because they have no idea. It's
0: just it's utter chaos. What, what, what. Why? Why can't he just go there and do what he needs to do? Um, this is this is comes back to his personality and his inability often to take um, to take instruction or cues from his staff. Um, they put him in frankly situations that um, that don't play to his strengths. Do uh, you think
3: that he views Puerto Ricans as American citizens?
0: No, I do.
3: Yeah, I do. I do. do. do? No, I do. no okay. there's Absolutely. no
5: way. I don't think so. Oh. I know that. I mean, you, I mean, you just look at how he talks about. The victims in Puerto Rico versus the ones in Texas, in Texas or Florida with with uh, mm-hmm. Harvey and Irma, mm-hmm. uh, like the way that he went there to them and said, "Oh, you you should be lucky you didn't get a real catastrophe, like one of those ones <laughs> that hit us, like Katrina."
0: But that, I honestly, I think um, he was just thinking right then in terms of the death toll, and sure. and yes, it was a foot in mouth. Um, you know, kind of a, not typical, but maybe typical Trump I'd comment. I'd say typical. Yeah. I will I, say that one thing is accurate, that the first time
3: he went to Texas, he was also tone deaf. up. Right. When he, he said, sure look that, at that crowd. You know, <laughs> okay, Thanks, no, Thanks for coming up. And, and then he, they had to, he had to go back. Right. And then he yeah. had to yeah. roll up his sleeves. Yep. And then he had to actually yeah. look and yeah. and like... And I think there was... Because Mike Pence showed him up. Yeah. Was like, like the carrying
0: right. the, the, pieces of the Pence sort photo ops. Um just the dumbest But, well, but there was a moment... That I think was underappreciated from his trip to Puerto Rico when he um, he met with some people whose houses had been damaged or destroyed. And that if I had been his staff, that is the moment that I would have wanted on camera so he can connect with people. He is who he is. He shows no signs of changing. He does not have um, a very high emotional ability to connect with suffering. But you should have heard as he was speaking to these people about the rebuilding of their house, he could speak to them as a builder. And he actually uh, did connect. For, sure. for, like, this moment. Yeah. It was, but, it, I mean, the, an event like a trip to visit victims of a storm is just a series of moments, whoever the president is. Man, it's it's like, can't believe you're saying this about
3: president visiting storm-ravaged territory, but they should, like, limit his visits to, like, Forty-five minutes. Literally. Go, go see these people Literally. and get out. The, don't or put them sit in the round table. Don't throw
5: don't, paper goods yeah, at them.
3: Well, don't sit around with local officials and like do a talk about what they need and what your perception is. Knowing who the president is, out. where Limit you take your... him is
0: to speak to people about yeah. rebuilding. Where you do not perhaps take him is to a church. To hand out aid, yeah. so the, yeah. neither of those he's not he's not especially religious, and he doesn't especially connect with people who suffer. So, but that whole situation—if I had been on his staff, um, I would have said that's this is a recipe for a bad, a bad photo op, and that's exactly what we got.
4: You, you know, I understand the building perspective, and it makes a lot of sense. It's it's way to identify, but it, it needs to be said that Donald Trump still has a problem with the other. You know, the concept of the other. Okay, mm-hmm. whether it's. Uh, black people, whether it's Latinos, yeah, Latinos. Uh, any non-whites, really, yeah. in, in most cases, and, and in a lot of cases, poor people. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump does, cannot identify with the other.
0: Absolutely. So if you are his, if you're working for the White House, you put him in situations with people who he can identify with.
5: My biggest takeaway from the whole Puerto Rico thing, I know we got a break, but my biggest takeaway was when he went on Twitter and said, these people want something for nothing. Or they want, or they want yeah. everything, ta- they want to be taken care of. They want everything taken care of for them. Like, they have no roads, they have no electricity, they have no running water, they don't have food to eat, but they need, they want everything done for them. And, like, to be the president of everybody... Right. ...and to say that...
0: I mean, at that point, he felt emotionally that he was simply defending himself against criticism. I know. Yeah. I but mean, it's also,
5: it, just, it's just, just, like, wholly inappropriate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I right. think
3: wrong uh, moment wrong statement Sure, well, Christina thank you so much for breaking this all down with us fascinating conversation really great to see you great to see you in too in person I hope your uh, toddler at home uh, <laughs> gives you a peaceful weekend never gonna famous happen famous last word <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no, no. On Twitter, Christina right. will be. She is I'll be must. at the DC Zoo <laughs> she is
3: absolutely a must follow and read her work <laughs> online at cnbc.com uh, stay tuned we'll be back after this break
2: Download our podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show. New great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show
3: welcome back to the bill press show sabrina Sidiki here political reporter at the guardian filling in for bill on this thursday morning i always like to say i saved the best for last today is obviously an exception because we have igor oh. in the studio Wow! Thank you. Thank can you. i just <laughs> say
4: i love watching sabrina and igor fight i don't know what it is but like it's just so frenemies, entertaining. Frenemies,
7: I
3: think,
5: oh, is, yeah. uh, is a term I would use for the two of you. Yeah.
7: Frenemies, that's a good term. But like best frenemies. I made that
3: up. I kid, I kid. I actually have, I'm very happy to have Igor here, who is a politics supporter at HuffPost. You should follow him online at Igor Bobich. Read his great work at huffpost.com. Good morning, Igor. Morning. Jokes aside, definitely me. saving the best for last. We We haven't sat here on this show in a long time together.
7: I, have we ever sat? here I think together? we have once. We
5: have.
3: I don't recall yes. that happening.
7: I don't, I don't. No,
3: even. I think it was a long time ago. Yeah. I right? but I mean, I've been doing this for a few years. I feel like there was a moment, but it's been a while since I don't since we sat here together. And I'm really glad that you are here for our like new segment, where we do like a pop quiz of events of the week, and I get to like rapid fire around you and see. What you followed, what you didn't follow. Cool. Are you ready? We yeah, did this, I'm ready. but we've done this before. Oh, and man. I, actually totally I, I think Igor,
5: I. We did an Igor versus Igor. Wait, yeah, what? Sorry. I
3: totally made this yeah. up.
5: And you were the superior Igor. I was oh. hoping
3: to just put him in we've... the hot seat and freak him out. I got, actually... I got
5: sound effects. Let's do
7: this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready.
3: No, I actually <laughs> just made that up. I didn't realize this is a real thing.
5: No, we did a, we did a segment with. Igor versus Igor. Igor versus Igor. It was Igor versus Igor.
3: You shall not be named the other Igor. The other
4: Igor. Listen, either we're doing this or we're not doing it. Let's go ahead. No,
3: no, we're not actually doing it because I was. Just I was hoping to mess with him And it turns out This was like a real hey, this, thing This man is ready Well you showed me But Igor um, We've been covering a lot uh, This morning And it, it kind of Conversation kind of Comes full circle with you Because earlier We were talking about uh, The aftermath of Las Vegas And you've been doing A lot of really Good reporting on the hill uh, Where we've We've had this Predictable cycle play out After mm-hmm. every uh, Mass shooting And you asked Republicans, it seems, uh, what, it, what could be done to stem gun violence? You said you asked them, what can Congress do to prevent mass shootings? What, what did you hear from Republicans?
7: Um, a lot of, uh, well, I don't knows. Um, a lot of people, a lot of senators have said that it's not the government's um, priority or power to do that at all. Um, they said that really government should not get involved in regulating guns in any way, shape, or form. A lot of Second Amendment defenders, uh, regardless of the situation, regardless of what kind of uh, device or equipment the, gun- the gunman used in Vegas, he, the shooter used this technique that I'm sure you heard about. It's called a bump stock. It's an addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you augment your weapon with it. And it, it seems like there's a clear um, path here from what the shooter used to what Congress can take action on, and yet some people in Congress still say um, there's really no role for government to play here.
3: Uh, I was struck by—I mean, Richard Shelby, granted, is senator from Alabama. I mean, that's of all places, you're not going to expect that to be a source of someone who's going to come around on the issue of gun stricter gun laws. But he was talking about security at buildings. Yeah. Now I heard this on like, Fox News and a few other places. Okay, so now we're going to talk about hotel security. Is that is that where the conversation might be going as yeah. opposed to actual guns?
7: Right. I mean, hotels are the problem now. We've <laughs> got to have hotel regulation.
3: Guns don't kill people. Hotels do. <laughs> well, like I remember, I, I said
5: this the other day, I remember after Sandy Hook, that now sort of infamous speech by Wayne LaPierre,
7: who said- Famous uh, Frenchman. Yeah,
5: the famous Frenchman, Wayne LaPierre, who also A had the National Man. Rifle Association. Yeah. Uh, where he said the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And in the situation of Las Vegas, which is an open carry state, Mm -hmm. there were plenty of good guys with guns, but what are you going to do when the, the, the bad guy with a gun is on the 32nd floor of a hotel 500 yards away? Like, if everybody had realized that that's where the shooting was coming from and they started shooting, that would have been horrific.
7: Yeah.
3: And he has bump stocks, which you mentioned, right? Um, uh, which uh, you know, as you wrote, they essentially turn a semi-automatic weapon into an automatic one. Um, and there has, however, been some talk. You write of potentially banning bump stocks, even among Republicans.
7: That's right. Um, you've got a couple of senators saying they've they want to look at the issue more. They the, honestly, a, a lot of these senators and congressmen really. Are not familiar with the issue of bump stocks i was new to it you know not a lot of people really knew about it um so they're still looking at it and it's notable uh that that they're at least willing to consider it you've got ron johnson in wisconsin saying he could be in favor of banning it um you've got senator diane feinstein of california introducing a ban um so we'll see if if it goes
5: anywhere i i i I honestly hadn't heard of this before this story What's the defense of having bump stocks out there for just regular Americans to
7: have? So there isn't really a defense of having them. Uh, a lot of people who are fierce Second Amendment defenders say that um, they're already illegal uh. um, and that even without one, you could still simulate automatic fire in the way you shift your stance, and the way you pull the trigger, mm. um, but then you get in. You get into the argument. That's not of,
5: comforting, by the
7: way. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't
5: make me feel any better. Right. But that's kind stand. of like a huge cell phone. Because sure. then
7: you're saying, like, why have semi-automatics right. if anybody could shift their stance and, and you know
5: make it automatic? Right.
3: Yeah. So, so Senator Diane Feinstein, of course, Democrat from California, she did introduce a bill uh, that would ban so-called bum stocks. And here is what she had to say: Our bill
4: is simple and straightforward ban manufacturing or possession of accessories that accelerate a semi-automatic rifles rate of fire to that of an automatic.
3: Now, you had uh, people like even David Perdue, Republican from Georgia, saying uh, you can't buy a chain-fed machine gun in the United States today. There's a reason for that, and I want to make sure nobody has access to that if that's the law of the land. Senator John Thune, who's in leadership, said it's something we need to take a look at. And as you know, Ron Johnson, he was much more forthcoming. He said, I have no problem banning those. But I do recall after Sandy Hook, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you were covering uh, politics then, too. And we all covered that debate where initially you had these Republicans who came with this sense of purpose that, okay, 20 children have been massacred and six educators. And I mean, these kids were just six and seven. And there was this sort of resolve to do something even uh, even
7: the nra came out and said we'd be willing to look at background checks they said we would look at background checks yeah.
3: initially and that's how and you, you because it was not just a liberal uh, reaction you had something like mansion to me where you had pat Toomey, who was a republican facing a tough election in pennsylvania along with one of the most conservative democrats in congress mm-hmm. in joe mansion um but then
7: People sort of forgot
3: a month, a couple well, a few months of mounting opposition uh, from the gun lobby killed uh, the background checks bill from even passing the Senate, let alone ever being cleared in the house. So when you kind of hear this about bum stocks, do you feel like there might be something different uh, here? Or is this just, again, the the immediate reaction to the shooting? And, uh, you know, we might uh, we might have a debate. We might not.
7: It's it's hard not to be cynical Mm because we've. Sadly, seeing so many of the situations play out the same way. And I, the, the push for new gun control legislation is so, so tough on the Hill, um, especially with both Republican-controlled houses of Congress. Um, what could make it somewhat easier this time is if Donald Trump comes out and says, this is something I want to do. This is something I'm going to direct my, you know, uh, ATF mm-hmm. uh, to, to regulate. Mm-hmm. Or even in some way back it, because you've got a couple of senators now saying they'd be willing to go there. Him coming out and saying this would uh, and help we were, push it over. And we
3: were talking uh, earlier about how, as with a lot of other issues, you know, two thousand, the year two thousand version of Donald Trump was out there criticizing Republicans yeah. for being under the grip of the NRA proposing or or criticizing... Them I'd for love not, for
5: someone to ask him about that. Yeah, yeah. criticizing just, just him just to see how he gets for not
3: supporting... Um, uh, criticizing Republicans at the time for not supporting a ban on um, assault weapons and I mean that, you know, he wants to support comprehensive immigration reform. you got all these uh, you've got all these issues, of course, where he has been inconsistent to say the least. Yeah. So I think there was a prevailing question as to which version of Trump would we get after Las Vegas... Um, this is the biggest, you know, mass shooting that has taken place since he took office. Now, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how there's been plenty of others since he took office. We just don't talk about them. Cause <laughs> yeah. if, it's, if it's, 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 the point now where it's like, if it's five to eight people, we're like, mm, meh. Yeah. <laughs>
7: that's,
5: not so, that's not so bad.
3: I mean, right. that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Um,
7: what's different now is the, the high death count.
3: Yeah. Right. Definitely. This, I yes. mean, this is now the deadliest mass shooting in us history and it's, it's remarkable because it was just the, Last fall, when it was Orlando, and that was about 48 people, I believe. And, yeah. um, I, I also think, think, I mean, I, I don't think the people.
5: optics of this one of being in Las Vegas, and there's so much video of it, right? And like Trump the,
3: himself has his casino in Las Vegas, he has a yeah. casino
5: there, yeah. And like the Mandalay Bay is one of the more well known, uh, resorts there in Las Vegas. Just to see that thing with the busted out windows, yeah. it's like
7: what, what gives me hope this time that they might do some kind of marginal thing like mm. bump stocks is that in this case you have something clear that was on the scene. This guy used uh, this bump stock on 12 firearms yeah. you know, he had 12 in just in case one overheated, he had another one, you know, like this, he, this was well thought out. Yeah. Um, and you have something clear here that Congress can take an action on and ban it. In, in prior cases, Sandy Hook, for example, um congress pushed for background checks republicans said background checks wouldn't have right wouldn't have stopped adam lanza uh because yeah, he used his, his actually, mother's yeah, weapons had, his, per, per, so firearms. It, there's a clear action you know reaction kind of uh it's not tangential in this case, right
3: you know. right it's not one of those where they could say that as you say as right. you've noted um well this this law wouldn't have even prevented this particular mm-hmm. massacre even though you know they always look at it on these one-off cases, and then of course there's plenty of other shootings right. that could be prevented by background checks. I'm a, squishy, I'm, a, I'm a
5: squishy liberal a little bit on this, but yeah, like you, were... you know, if there's a law that says you can't have 42 guns in your possession, I'm for it.
3: Yeah. Well, that's the remarkable thing. 42 He bought he bought the majority of these guns, almost all of them, in the course of one year. Yeah. And so it's that if you're looking at the background check system, one would think that there would be some sort of Flag flag on but when someone is amassing. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. But he was, bought some of those guns from chest. a store
4: called Guns and Guitars. Yeah, so, they, so that tells you all you need to know. They, they about may have been gun guitars. It's, <laughs> also, it's also
3: um, one thing that is just worth noting for our listeners is that Nevada, incidentally, was in some ways the ground zero of uh, the gun control debate leading up to this shooting because uh, voters in the state of Nevada in 2016 did approve, narrowly, a measure by ballot initiative to expand background checks, to mm-hmm. expand them to private sales, including uh, transfer between fam- transfers between families. Um, and the Republican-led state, uh, I should say the Republican officials in the state have barred that from being implemented, even though it was actually a ballot referendum. Right. Um so, it would be interesting to see if the Lieutenant Governor and the very popular Governor um Brian Sandoval, if mm. they change course uh, now at least on implementing what their own voters, what their own constituents had clearly decided they were comfortable with. um One thing that we always talk about in the moments like these is if it's something uh you know if if the shooter is Muslim, as was the case in uh, Paul in the aftermath of Pulse. Trump is more than willing to come up with uh, immediate proposals uh, such as uh, banning people from coming into the country. Yeah. Um, you know, in this case, of course, don't talk about banning guns or anything like that. But if, if someone happens to be Muslim, then okay, well, the answer from him was, as we know, to ban in, after San Bernardino. That was when you saw the Muslim ban to begin with. Yeah, I,
7: I wonder if he would have recalled, you know, called again for a Muslim, new Muslim ban. <laughs> if right. The, right. if right. the perpetrator
3: right. had been Muslim. And you wrote another story that is about how his travel ban... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing to stop the most deadly form of terror in the u s Tell us a little bit about your piece, which you found
7: well Some- it, it it in light of las vegas um and and the and the horrific massacre there um it it seemed to me the reasoning for a travel ban was a little absurd given the fact that mass shootings in the United States kill so many more people mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what he's looking to solve terror- mass terror attacks mm-hmm. um And, you know, a a person from Chad didn't shoot up a a country music festival. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was somebody born here, somebody living here. So the rationale, the Trump administration's rationale for this travel ban just seemed so frivolous uh, to me, given the shooting. And I wanted to make that point.
3: You point out that between 1975 and 2015, foreign-born terrorists, including immigrants and tourists, killed a total of 3,024 people on U.S. soil. That was according to a Cato Institute report in 2016. By contrast, more than 30,000 people in the U.S. are killed by fire firearms each year. Uh, but you also 30,000
5: know- people every <sighs> year. Yeah. 30,000 American
3: citizens are
5: murdered or killed by guns every single
7: year. A good number of that are, are suicides, suicides sure. by the way.
3: Sure, And in that we are that so
5: broken. We yeah. are just
3: so broken. And in that forty-year period where you discussed foreign-born terrorists, uh, it also was worth noting of those 3,024 uh, deaths, all but 41, as you wrote, came on 9/11. I was going to so say, yeah, we're talking about one, yeah. you know, massive incident. Right. Um, but as in a in a in a bigger sense, we, this country has been very successful at circumventing circumventing acts of terrorism. But you also write that mass shootings don't constitute act, an act of terror. And I, why is that?
7: Legally, it under the federal law, it's it's hard to prove in court uh, that there was intent uh, l- legally that uh, somebody wanted to do, commit an act of terror. Now, in in all effect, we all know a mass shooting does instill terror in a population. You know, Look at the video from
5: Las Vegas. I yeah. mean, those people were terrorized.
7: Right.
3: And so it seems to be operating off of A political motive, right? This is like a political or religious um, agenda that was behind a shooting in Las Vegas. We still don't have a motive. um, It's just disturbing. It's it's just disturbing. Um, And someone who, by by, the more that they paint a picture, seem to have this. You know, secret life is what police have said. It's so interesting.
5: It, it's so interesting to me that we we keep looking for why this happened or what his motive was, and I think that that's natural for us to do as a society. But like, the more we look at it, the less answers we're getting. Yeah. And and that is horrifying. That's right. way more horrifying than like, oh, this guy was mentally ill and had a you know axe to bear against this particular set yeah. of people or this particular crowd, which is a lot of times what we end up seeing. But like the fact that it's so, like there's nothing.
7: Yeah, what well, the service he most did it because he could. Yeah, is you know you have various news outlets going to places where he would frequent, you know, casinos or his local coffee shop, and everybody is just saying, "What a kind guy!" Yeah. You know, like what a That's nice amazing. guy. And I'm like, I I can't. It doesn't make it any
5: easier, but it also it it makes it way more scary to me. I mean, that that like, you know that there are other people out there
7: that could, that that are, that have watched, that are watching news coverage of this. Yeah. You know,
5: this can happen to anybody, anywhere at any time. That's, that's my takeaway.
3: And as we pointed out earlier in the show, but bears repeating a couple months ago, Trump made it easier for the mentally ill to gain access to firearms. Now, Obama had signed, um, a, you know, a handful of executive actions uh, with very limited, you know, capacity and the very limited capacity he had to try and enforce more uh, regulation in terms of background checks mm-hmm. for those who are mentally ill, you know, tightening some of the ways in which it's defined. Um, and then those, of course, were tossed out.
7: They were rescinded. rescinded
3: you know? uh, by Trump. Um we we're also uh, you know, I think we're following the story, we're seeing it unfold. His girlfriend, as I know at the top of the show, weighed in yesterday. She said she had no idea. Now obviously she's speaking through a lawyer, one would imagine she's trying to she she needs to take whatever measures she can to protect herself. Although it seems that he dispatched her to the Philippines, wired her a lot of money, didn't really explain and and here you are, yeah. um, you know, but you know, the, we'll be, fo- we'll be following the story here on the show and all of the developments. Igor, another another thing we were talking about this morning and I, it's just so bizarre, this Tillerson mm. calling Trump. Brexit. Re- reg- reg- it. Brexit. Brexit. <laughs> I'm taking bets. How long do you think he lasts in his job? Um, well, it,
7: it seems like. Everybody in the White House kind of wants him gone, and that was I'm. That's I'm suspicious about the story. I don't want to say I'm, you know, like a truther about this whole thing. Uh, Okay,
3: fake news. Well, you've got
7: obviously some people outed him for saying this thing. This meeting took place months ago, and I wonder if this didn't get planted in the press. To push this guy out because you know he's just so unwanted there.
3: An ally of.
5: Uh. Oh, Jamie Benson also a, a Rex Tillerson uh, truther.
3: One, I approve
4: of that theory. One <laughs> would
3: assume he would be smarter than to have said this in the in the presence of in, of I, Nikki Healy or one of her allies. I see. Why, that. why, I would, see why that? would he? Why would he say? I. You know, it's for me, I see that, that but I also think that someone thinking that Donald Trump
5: with. is an effing moron is the most believable story. <laughs>
7: yeah. Yes. Oh, totally. Oh, he said it. There's no question. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. right and right. he's not the only one who has right, said it. Right right, <laughs> right,
3: right, I have to quickly, because I, I want to mention this story before you go, that embattled Republican Tim Murphy is mm. going to retire. This is the guy who is a staunch uh, opponent of, of access to abortion. And of course, we learn that he asked his mistress to terminate. A pregnancy. This is why people hate Congress. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the story is just the epitome of why people think that these guys are so hypocritical, cynical that they have no actual beliefs.
7: You you could say that uh, his his career was aborted. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, no points for that.
3: One. He's here all week, guys. <laughs> no,
5: look, I mean the the you look at any of these people who are pushing for moral legislation
3: he voted for a 20-week abortion man on Tuesday. He's yeah. a member of the House yeah. Pro-Life Caucus. Look
5: at these guys and then look at their personal lives. I guarantee you there's some, there's something. Who
3: was the other guy who did this? Scott De- Desjardins. 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 Man, yeah. Mike McAuliffe was who's like... still in Congress, by the who's way. Still, yeah, uh, he's right. still in Congress. And Mike McAuliffe, who was at HuffPost uh, previously, was just so good on this story. He was like the Scott Desjardins beat yeah. reporter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, this is not, I mean, you've you've seen this a few times.
7: Yeah, my, my favorite p- part about this story, about Congressman Tim Murphy, was him telling people, oh, you know, these tweets and everything that I've put out pro-abortion, that wasn't for me, that was just my staff. Just blame it on a staff. Uh, oh, my God.
3: Uh, well, we've heard that one before, too. You should have saved your punchline. His career was aborted for uh, this moment right here. Igor Bobich, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this morning. <laughs> Don't forget more. to follow him on Twitter at Igor Bobich. Read him at com. And tune in tomorrow. We'll be back uh, at the Bill Press Show. Great to be with you this morning.
2: This is the Bill Press Show.